Welcome back, everyone, to episode number 164 of Stream of Thought, and I'm here with Victor, and we start off by talking about uh, something that I just had to experience, the less-than-ideal cooked meal, and Victor and I talk a little bit about the frustrations when it comes to actually getting things right, and then something that truly shocked me. Victor watched the presidential debate this past week. My mind was blown. And he shares his thoughts, and it is a joy to listen to. Yes, it was. We also take a turn, though. The debate gives segue to just the way we perceive reality, the way that people are thinking on the left and right, uh, and just how it is and why it is that we think the things that we think. Are they original thoughts, or were they planted there? You'll just have to listen and find out. So with that being said, episode number 164 of Stream of Thought. We hope you enjoy. <laughs> so what was the, uh, what did you say in your text? I'm cooking a badass dinner for my family or something like that? I was worried that you were going to bring that up at the outset. It it did not turn out <laughs> as well. I was I was trying a new recipe for tuna casserole, and it seemed like it was going well. All the ingredients and stuff like that. A little bit of changes. Thought I'd give it a give it a whirl. Um, and then the noodles. I used egg noodles, but they ended up getting soft within like three or four minutes. And it's normally supposed to cook for five to seven minutes. So it just ended up turning out to be mush. Like the noodles ended up being mush, and I was just like, "Are you kidding me?" The the tuna itself and the mixture was all great, but it felt like you were just eating slop. And I'm just like, come on, there's no firmness. So I was very disappointed. So you didn't know that it was a disaster until it had already been served. There was no indication during the process that it was going to be uh, subpar. It was only until it was on the plates of the family members and the first bite that you realized... You fucked up. Well, no, because <laughs> as any good chef would, you always test your meal before you actually uh, serve it. And so I had cooked the noodles, and I tasted a couple of the noodles. I'm like, oh, this seems a little little uh, softer than I thought it would be. Um, okay, I don't know how that's going to turn out. I mean, whatever. Put it in. Take a take a bite uh, before I serve it. And I'm just like, oh, no, this is this is a disaster. I mean, not it was edible, but at the same time, I was very disappointed um, in the the end result, and I don't know how it could have been avoided at that point. I mean, I'd already cooked the noodles, and uh, so where did the error occur? Did you just cook the you just boiled the noodles too long? The type of the egg noodles, uh, I guess they cooked about twice as fast as a normal egg noodles. I didn't know that ahead of time, and so in in the end, it ended up causing the entire meal to be entirely subpar what did robert have to say about this that was fine yeah okay <laughs> my, my, my family ate it it was fine um yeah not not my not my proudest creation i liked i like the um the tuna tuna and um uh, sauce mixture that i created i thought that tasted fine but there needed to be a little more stability some some fiber yes. that girded that undergirded the entire recipe, and it just wasn't there. I've overcooked noodles before, and it sucks, dude. Overcooked noodle, it's just like it. Everything about it is just, eh. 
it's just it it's 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 just disintegrates basically when you, yes. when you eat it. It's just mush. Yes. It's mush. And I I tasted it as I was getting ready to pour the casserole and and tuna mix, and I was like. I think that these overcooked for like a minute too long, just one minute. And it probably would have been significantly better. Did you have more egg noodles that you could have just boiled right away? No, there or... was nothing. Every, everything was in process. It, it's uh, there were three different things going on at the same time. And so it kind of required everything to come together at that moment. I couldn't let stuff sit. So yeah. It's a it's a learning experience. I didn't I I've never I've never used egg noodles that cook that quickly before. It, that was crazy. That was insane how how fast it ended up just disintegrating into mush. What are a few other kitchen disasters? So we have this, we have the uh orange chicken. I'm familiar with that one. <laughs> are there any others that have occurred? Oh man. Oh, what's my While you're on to? while you're on watch. Yeah. While you're the one <laughs> I would say um, typically, typically the other staple that I do is crockpot stuff, uh, crockpot chicken. That tends to be a little less uh, disastrous when I when I make a mistake here or there. I have had a couple of issues though when it comes to like pulled chicken or something like that, like barbecued pulled chicken. Just throw all the ingredients in, and it doesn't get pu- and it, it was a learning experience. This was like a year ago or whatever. Didn't pull out the pull apart the chicken and let it cook for a little bit longer. So I pulled it apart and then served it immediately. So it was dry and it was, uh, wait, 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 you just put the, you didn't. So you had a whole chicken or like, or chicken breasts, breasts, chicken breasts. And so and I, you just threw the whole thing in there in the crock pot. Yeah, obviously yeah. that's what you do. And then you let it cook. Right. But, but well, I'm, I guess I'm missing a step. So you said you didn't pull it apart, but don't you pull it apart no. after it's already been? What, yes. What I said was I didn't pull it apart and then let it sit after the eight I hours. Understand. And okay. so to Got allow it. the, the juices I or understand. everything to, okay. to soak in there. And so I pulled it apart. And so still it hadn't allowed the flavor. I mean, the flavor was seeping in stuff like that, but it, like you just give it that extra half an hour after you pull it apart, let it sit for a little bit, marinate just a little bit, and it just it it makes the the most difference. And that was something that I just screwed up on the first time. Never made that mistake again. So I I like to learn. So what is your uh, signature recipe, or do you have a few signature recipes that you're just you get it every time? Nobody can do it like you, and the family really looks forward to any time a particular dish is served. By I, Rex. I, I do actually get asked uh, if I'd be willing to make barbecue pulled chicken probably about once every two to three weeks. So okay, that's that's probably the most frequent recipe that I do. Um, yeah, aside from that, I mean my my tuna casserole. I've had a, a staple thing, but I was like, oh, let me try and spice it up. Let me change the recipe a little bit. What I learned is don't fuck with something that's already adequate. <laughs> don't try to don't try to make improvements on things that people seem to enjoy already. Uh, that's kind of my lesson. But it's it's basically those two: tuna and and, uh, and pulled pulled pork chicken. So how often are you at the dinner table and your mother or father serves something, and for whatever reason that dish gets messed up? Or do they have enough life experience where they never screw anything up? Are you are you asking me to get myself in trouble at this point? 
I, I feel like <laughs> though that's a that's a very leading question. I love all the meals that my parents have ever made for me. Let me just put that out there. But no, I mean there are sometimes I, you know, um, uh, I would say stuff like uh, like we've had some some chili catastrophes where my mom will make a bowl of chili and for some reason there's either too much spice or it's not cooked long enough so the beans are a little hard. Like there's there's all those different things. My dad had um. It wasn't a flank steak, but it was a it was a steak of sorts that was a little little dry on the drier side, which he normally doesn't do. So yeah, I mean we all we all kind of fuck up. The only one who doesn't really cook though is my brother. <laughs> he he's pretty much uh, left out. But yeah, we all we all make our mistakes in the kitchen. Dude, my my dad for the longest, and it's funny because. When it happens once, it's understandable. When it happens, you know, a second time, it's a bit odd. When it's happened a third time, it's like, what what's going on? What is happening? I remember, like, my dad had this thing where he's he loves cooking in the kitchen, you know? And it would be, he's got... Everything sprawled out on the counter. He's got all all four burners going. He's listening to, you know, like Italian opera music. He doesn't want you coming into the kitchen for a glass of water or crackers as to disturb his flow. He's in, you know, he's a mad scientist when it comes to this. But a few times, and dude, the one thing that would just piss me off so much is when, and, and this is in general, when somebody says, you know, dinner will be ready at 6 o'clock. Okay, I'll wait it out until 6 o'clock. Even though I'm hungry now, I will wait it out until 6. Another 15, 20 minutes. Okay, you said 6 o'clock. I'm now waiting an hour, and I'm hungry, and I could have at least gotten something to fill my stomach. And then it's just this ongoing another 15, and then fucking 45 minutes to an hour later, then dinner is served. And I get so fucking aggravated about that because I get hungry, and I get angry, and 1 plus 1 equals hangry. And it's just so <laughs> uh Anyway, but... Sometimes, and then you finally sit down and, you know, let's say we're eating fried fish and it's like, this is undercooked. And then, you know, a month, a, a month or two months later, whatever, another meal, it's like, this is undercooked. And this wasn't like a regular thing that happened all the time. For all I know, it could have happened once. It could have happened again six months later or two weeks later and then another 10 months. I don't know. But it's just one of those things where like, this is not the first incident this is not the second incident i this is the third or fourth or fifth i don't recall it's, it's becoming it's becoming a pattern there is a pattern to undercooked meals yes and you know as the one who's not making the meal how much can you really complain about it not right. really but at the same time it's just like all right well i guess i'll just Hold my tongue on this one and throw it back in the skillet. And it's funny because sometimes it would be like I'd get up. Yep, I got to put my, you know, fish or chicken or whatever back on the skillet. You know, mom. Yep, mine too, brother. No, mine's okay. A few minutes later. Nope, I got to put mine back up too. It's just like I don't 
I don't know. Well, uh, and I, I remember you actually mentioning this. This was like 70 episodes ago or something like that where you had brought this up. And the thing the thing that I think about, too, is that, I don't know, maybe maybe my family operated a little bit differently when it came to, like, cooking stuff. But I don't know. I mean, I look for feedback in my cooking. If it if it sucks, I want to know. Like, and so I'm just like, you know, if if. And if I don't enjoy it and I'm not, like, loving it or whatever, and I'd like to think that I have a relatively decent taste bud, that I'd be like, oh, you know, it's a little this or that. It could use a little more seasoning, perhaps be cooked a little bit longer, a little less longer, stuff like that. It's like, okay, so I'm going to make a mental note of that. But then also get the feedback from everyone else, even if they don't have to say, oh, this is, yeah, I agree with you. There's kind of that that vibe, that family vibe of... Uh, yeah, no, it's, you know, you're not wrong in, in stating that. So I don't know. I mean, my family, when it comes to cooking, my dad and I especially are, are perfectionists. And so, you know, my dad especially is going to be one of those people who, if something is not right, he's going to know it, but he's also going to articulate that and verbalize it. And I take that opportunity to be like, oh no, I thought it was fine. Or yeah, no, I think that you were on, you know, I think that you're right in your, your self critique type of thing. So yeah, it, it it makes the whole experience in the future so much better because all of our recipes have improved over time um, with the yeah. feedback that we get in our family. So, What is your favorite dish to consume that your mother prepares? What is your favorite dish to consume that your father prepares? Oh, man. Uh, my mom would be the lasagna. She, I mean, she uses, I think it's... Uh, my yeah. grand grandparents' recipe, but it is a kick-ass lasagna. And then my dad, those dry rub ribs, man. Give me some, give me some dry rub ribs. I don't know if you ever had a chance to eat some of those. I, I know Neil was over one time when my dad was making the ribs, but I can't I remember. If, I don't know if you you would remember. You would remember if you had my dad's ribs. They would change your life. They just melt off the bone. The rub he he marinates them in this dry rub for about. 24 hours smokes them over the grill uses the the charcoal and all that and it's just got this delectable smell and then you eat it and it's just it melts in your mouth the most delicious oh. thing ever hey Dude, man my, when, uh, when when you come back when you come back to glen ellen let me know uh if you're if you're covid free uh i'll uh i'll save you some ribs we can okay. i can ask my dad to do that uh switching gears so what's your feedback on the clips that you saw of the debate? So I ago? wanted to, I was, <laughs> I have to say, so we are, we are talking obviously about the catastrophe of, I, I guess what you could call a presidential I, debate. I loved every minute of it, dude. I loved it. I was shocked because literally after the first, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you my play by play. So within the first five minutes, I was like, nope, I am not watching this anymore. And then I turned it off. And that was my experience. And then I looked at the all the reports afterwards, and I'm like, I saved myself two hours of my life. I ended up watching the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen uh, on uh, Amazon Prime. Haven't seen that movie in years, so that was great. Uh, and I felt much happier after watching that movie than I would have watched after watching the debate. What I was surprised, though, is that you texted me saying that you would watch the debate and wanted to talk about it. So walk me through that, because I'm a little... Uh, perplexed as to how that came about, how you decided you'd, you'd subject yourself to that terror. I thought that you would think it was strange that I would be texting you about the debate. When I, I did. Text you, I was like, yeah. He's, he, this is going to come out of left field. He's not expecting this. 
Uh, I was out for the day, and then I had come home like right before it happened, and it's like you know I gotta I gotta watch this. I gotta watch it. Why? So I turn, why? Turn like, it on. Was it? Was there a reason as to why you just, needed to watch it? No, I mean nothing in particular, other than just this uh, historical time that we're living in. So I figure I just. I mean, I'm. I have zero plans on watching the vice presidential debate. Oh, really? I'm not going to watch that. Yeah, uh, but just that's the only reason why. Um, and so I'm watching it, and within minutes, because I don't recall. Uh, I know there's a little bit of banter back and forth, but I don't recall from previous debates with it just being so out of control. And I primarily wanted to talk to you about it because I wanted to get your feedback so that I could uh, calibrate exactly what I just saw. Because I remember thinking, like, I don't think this is normal. And then slowly it spiraled (laughs) out of control. And I'm just like, yeah, this is definitely not normal, especially when – you know, Chris Wallace is like, President Trump, President Trump, I'm the moderator. I am the moderator. It's just, dude, all hell broke loose. And then when Biden is telling him, you know, will you shut up, man? It's like, oh, my goodness. He just said the word shut up. Yeah, this is – he's getting his under his skin. And then uh, I remember – I don't think I'd ever seen in a debate one of the cad- candidates pleading to the American people looking directly in the camera – it's pretty much saying, please do not let this happen for another four years. It was just a circus, man. So did it was you just did, out of control? Did you watch the entire thing? Like the the full uh, the full I, hour and a half? It was on. It was on the entire time. However, there were moments where I was like looking down at my phone, or they would say something, and then I would I would uh, Google something real quick. So there were moments where I wasn't paying attention to the actual debate a hundred percent, but I did watch. Watch. It was on the whole time, and then when I whenever, whenever I was done doing what I was doing, I'd be watching it again. Yeah, man. Uh, this this was uh, this was a, a wild ride. I I have to say, as somebody who has watched many debates uh, all the way back from my poli sci freshman years back at Drake University, I have never seen in primary. I mean, maybe the Republican primary when Trump was running, um, it got a little like weird, but for presidential debates. As far as I can remember, and even studying historical presidential debates, never before has this. I, I've never, I've never seen something like this. And you're going to get that same sort of feedback from anybody on any sort of level who understands politics or who has ever watched presidential debates. But what was the most hilarious thing to me afterwards was all the focus groups and the words that they used to describe it. And it was like they were. Um, disgusting putrid unpresidential uh just all the like all these super emotive adjectives people were using to describe what they had just watched i mean to to hear some of these individuals be like it made my stomach churn it makes me not want to to pay attention to politics at all anymore yeah man it was that was um that was a event for 2020. I feel like that was a a perfect encapsulation of what 2020 means. Truly. Like, just watch that debate, and that pretty much sums up the entire year to this point. 
I was wondering, does, uh, and I watched, uh, the, just a little bit of when, uh, they interviewed, I think Donald Jr. for a little bit, just for a few minutes. But when I was watching the debate and then again, when I saw Donald Jr., I'm thinking to myself, do, do they know how just fucking crazy they are like do they know that they're coming off the way that they are and this is just a game to them or do they actually believe the words that are coming out of their mouth so to be totally honest i think that they in fact do not believe in the words that they're saying but they know that the people who listen to them are the kind of people who will believe those words. I mean, it's it's a marketing strategy. Donald yeah. Trump has made very clear and his family has made very clear that's kind of the, the approach that they take is that they, they say things that captivate your emotional epicenters. And so they want yes. to make you feel things. And if they can make you feel anger, fear, um, rage, sadness, any of those things – they know that manipulating human emotions is the most productive way to mobilize their their core base. And, like, dude, when it comes down to it, um, I feel as though, really, uh, and in the analysis afterwards, because I saw a lot of the, the breakdown, saw Fox News, saw CNN, saw Huffington Post, MSNBC, et cetera, et cetera. And it was like, never before has... And I keep saying this, too. I feel like this is like the third time I've said this, is that never before has the divide in America and the ideological gap between this very small insular group and the rest of the country been so much more evident in a moment like this, where it's like you you turn on Fox News, you turn on Breitbart, you turn on all these like soup Uber, Rush Limbaugh, all these Uber conservative individuals and they're like, this was the best debate ever, and Donald Trump just killed it. And he needs to have – we should have ten more debates like this. There was a commentator who said, this was great. And then another commentator said uh, on Fox News something to the extent of, when when has anything ever anything positive ever been accomplished by people just sitting around a table and politely discussing issues? But there's no way they said that out of their own volition. That was – that they're reading off of a script. They're reading off of a teleprompter. These are these are these are commentators though who are just winging it in the air, and they they know. Oh shit! No, this isn't a script. This isn't like this isn't rehearsed. This is two Fox News primetime commentators talking back and forth with each other. This is just a casual conversation. This isn't rehearsed or anything. It's the ecosystem that they're kind of living in. It's like, yeah, you know what? I mean, they these these uh, elites in the conservative movement know that uh, what their base wants to hear is that red meat stuff that Donald Trump offered. And so for them, this was great. This was the best thing that could have possibly happened because it's like, yeah, Donald Trump was, was a bully and he was mean, but that's what we want. That's what we want in our, we want somebody to bully somebody else and get their way. So I don't know, man. Uh, And then the rest of the country where it's just like, wow, this just makes me feel dirty. I just want to shower afterwards. I totally get what you're saying, but I do agree with President Trump when he said he is the president for four years, not three and a half. And as a result of that, 
he does have the right to nominate whomever he sees fit at whatever time, before the election, after the election, whenever. So regardless of whatever our opinion may be of him, he does have the right as president to operate inside those parameters. Right. And so I will say this, and and I feel like this is kind of the epitome of, unfortunately, a lot of um, um, Trumpian ideals. You realize that when Barack Obama was a year before leaving office, a Supreme Court vacancy opened up. And you want to know what Donald Trump said? He said, you should wait until the next president. You should wait until the next president to do anything. Is what he said at the end of Obama's term. And that was, I think that was something like almost a year before the election. I think it was like January sometime. So months and months before, as opposed to 40 days. And so he he said and held the position that no, there should be no Supreme Court justice allotted in an election year, which is what Senate Republicans were saying. And now they're saying, well, we're in power, so we have the opportunity and the ability and the authority to be able to do that. So it's like, bro, like, I mean, I, I, I appreciate you, you know, having that perspective, but it is, it is total hypocrisy. And that makes me so angry um, to see just flip flopper. He's a flip flopper, <laughs> but that's the thing, though, as somebody who comes in like but yourself, not also, knowing some Ricks, of these things. You should know somebody who studies politics and who lives in this realm that people say whatever they need to say in order to serve themselves and their party in that particular moment in time. Generally speaking. Yes. Yes, I think. But it's it's degrees. It's degrees. It's by degrees, right? A Supreme Court nomination is very different than saying passing a budget uh, that that basically the country needs to be able to pass in order to continue having a functioning economy versus something that they appoint this person. She is going to be a Supreme Court justice for the next 40 years. And it's not like – I mean it, it's come to the point where there's this false equivalency that it's like – Oh, the the mail-in voting fraud or something like that, that there was an example in Pennsylvania that he brought up about there were a couple of ballots that were thrown – that were accidentally thrown in the mail, and that's his comparison that means all mail-in voting is fraudulent because there was this one example. And it suits them, so they do it. And then it, it – what do you what, – like how is, how is somebody like yourself who's not integral, integrally like attuned to politics – able to know a truth from a lie he says that and when he said the supreme court stuff that you're like oh i totally agree with that even though that's 180 degrees opposite of what he said three years ago and it's like how are you supposed to know no one's going to fact check him in those moments so you're like oh no that sounds really reasonable when in fact it's just it's literally the most blatantly hypocritical thing that he could have possibly said so I don't know. It it frustrates me as somebody who has uh, has a memory longer than a goldfish <laughs> when it comes to politics, which I mean is is kind of rare. Um, you know, we we like to focus on what's what's sensational in the moment. But bro, I don't forget these things. And when it comes back and it comes around, it's like oh well, we can do this now because we have control of the Senate and the White House, whereas Barack Obama only had control of the presidency. He didn't have the he didn't have the Senate, so uh, he needed both, and he didn't have it. Now we have both, so we can do whatever we want. It's like fuck this, like fuck, 
fuck how democracy is turning out right now. I'm just, I, I am, I feel like uh, election day slash week is going to be a period of extreme unrest. I am, I am sensing right now this is not going to be a pleasant November. Just my thoughts. When do you think we'll finally, what's your prediction for when we will finally know what the outcome is? Because they're mentioning how, I didn't know this, but they're mentioning how some states you are not allowed to even open uh, the mail-in ballot until election day. We're looking at probably about, for some of those states, four to six weeks before they are able to declare a winner, assuming that one candidate or another doesn't win by an overwhelming margin. But yeah, we're looking at, we're looking at a drawn out process The the, the uncertain factor though, is whether or not the courts are going to step in. And here's the thing about getting another Trump appointee on the court is that he could say that Donald Trump could say, I'm contesting the election, throw it to the Supreme court. He's got six conservatives who will likely just say, we're just going to declare Donald Trump the president because you can't be certain about the mail-in voting and potential fraud that exists, which, by the way, statistically does not exist. Fuck anybody who says that the voter fraud, voter fraud, voter fraud. That's such bullshit. But it is a talking point on the right, and as a result, you know, it, it's going to come down to where it very well could be the Supreme Court that says, you know what, um, we're a conservative court. We want Donald Trump to keep being president. We're going to just say Donald Trump's president, and that's it. And literally, that if that happens, I don't think it will. But if it happens, I mean, that that fundamentally is the end of democracy. You should check out the movie Michael Clayton with George with I think George I've seen Clooney. that before, many years ago. Because it's yeah, – yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it has nothing to do with politics. I mean, a, a little bit, but more so in the business world, not necessarily the political arena as we think of it. But there's some crazy shit that happens in that movie. The length that people will go to, to, you know, some cloak and dagger type stuff, making making things happen behind the scenes, scenes and manipulation in order to get what you need. Colluding with foreign powers to, to no, it's not that. It's 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 more. It's uh, <laughs> I, I I think know. it's like I business and lobby cheek. lobby oriented. But you should rewatch it. Yes. I haven't seen that movie right. for probably four or five years. The first time I saw it, I was like, I don't really know what's going on, but whatever. It was kind of slow. But then I watched it again. I was like, damn, this movie is fucking awesome. Yeah, it's been it's been a couple of years since I've seen it too. But yeah, I, I do remember watching that. Yeah, it's wild. It's. Uh, it's crazy, and I just think to myself, you, man, you know, in what other ways can 2020 get any crazier? And by the way, um, with the PCC, Nicole ended up just – Sister Nicole just ended up leaving the PCC. Um, so there's that too. And it's just like, fuck, I mean, just the hits keep coming. My dog's sick. He's probably only going to live for another five to six months. My grandmother's in severe pain down in Florida. It's like – Wow, this is just a, a cascade of just really bad feelings and experiences that I'm going through right now. It's all right. I don't know, Ten man. years will pass and we'll look back is... on it. Just like how it was yesterday, we felt like we were in college, and now it's ten years later after graduation. <laughs> Before you know it, you know, a few years will go by and we'll think, damn, happy that's over. Yeah, no, and and life moves on. We uh, 
we get over some of these things, but bro, we are we are just in the the shit mud right now. It is so gross. It is just the most disgusting thing to be part of society right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to say the least. Uh, but I want to ask you real quick, going back to the politics just for a second, because ev- so out here in L.A., I remember seeing a – I can't remember if I told this to you or not, um, but I've only ever seen two vehicles that have, you know, like a Trump bumper sticker or one of them said MAGA on the license plate. And my first thought is, I cannot believe your car has not been smashed to pieces. Like, if you support Donald Trump and you live anywhere in L.A. County, like, you are an anomaly to the extreme, right? It's interesting. so fucking liberal out here. Um, But... My question to you was, like, for example, I was at a park the other day, and I was um, I was working out. It's nice because, like, the, the, at this little park, everyone's working out. But there was this guy. I heard him often just uh, maybe, like, 10 feet away from me. I, he sounded disgruntled because he was trying to get this, like, stretch band over a branch. And I heard him talking to himself, but I couldn't tell if he was uh, crazy or – he didn't seem like he was crazy. But anyway – He's like, uh, Democrats, uh, fucking gyms are closed. The Democrats close the gyms, and the gyms are closed because of the freaking Democrats. Debate over. Democrats close the gym. Debate over. And he's just talking to himself, but you can tell he's kind of saying it because he's he has it bottled up, and he's just trying to say it to maybe see if anyone would agree with him or whatnot. But that, as that example... How many people or what are some things that you hear on the left where you're just like, it's an embarrassment to be associated with you as someone who identifies as yeah. a Democrat? That, that is fascinating. Um, I don't know. I mean, I would say probably the, the closest, closest example um, that I could think of would be the Bernie bros. Those uh, uh, people who are of the – you know, same same age range too as a lot of the uh, Trump followers. Um, our our age range within age of twenty to forty years old is kind of that that prime prime age to feel anxiety over the political landscape. And I feel like you saw a lot of um, when Sanders was running against Hillary Clinton back in twenty sixteen. There was so much sexism and so much hatred and animosity towards her um, and by default the democratic establishment so normal people like you'd think of normal republicans normal democrats people who are middle of the road who just want the best for people i would say um the primary difference probably about the same radical elements on both sides and i love how conservative media has consolidated around this narrative i'm sure you've heard the term antifa yes that they're all talking about these Antifa terrorists and stuff like that. First of all, Antifa is not an organization. It's an ideology. There's no there's no group called Antifa. It just doesn't exist. Whereas you have actual white supremacist groups on the opposite side that do coalesce around certain ideologies and organizations. Like, 
was brought up in the debate, the Proud Boys or whatever, a violent white supremacist, basically neo-Nazi group. <laughs> and so you've got the the false equivalency of these Antifa, like basically they're anarchists. They're, they're anti-fascists, but they're also super aggressive. There's no organization around it though. They're, they're anarchists. Like the anti-organizing. Like the folks that, the, like the folks that, uh, that were in, where was it? Portland. When they just overtook a whole block. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. There, there was no central, uh, doctrine. There was no organization that they pledged allegiance to and followed. It was just everyone on their own. We just all believe in just pure liberty, yeah. pure, um, freedom from the restraints of government. <clears throat> Whereas you have the conservative groups, these white supremacy groups that organize around certain ideologies. And they're like, yes, we have power in our mobilization. And so you saw, I mean, even back up in Portland, right? You had a bunch of these white supremacist groups organize online and drive caravans into Portland to try and counter these uh, anti-fascist protesters that don't have an ideology, but all those on the right seem to have an organization element behind them, which is what makes them so dangerous. And they have more guns as well. So, yeah, it's one of those things where it's 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 a false equivalency. Uh, it's scary. It. I think there will be. I think if Biden wins by landslide, there probably will be blood in the streets, and I think that there will be violence committed by these right wing wing organizations. I just I think that's going to happen. I don't know. I can't remember who I was talking to. I can't. I this was maybe it was my neighbor. Um, but they were, oh yeah, I, cause we were talking, uh, so we were, um, he was telling, I'm in the middle of watching this Netflix documentary, the social dilemma. Do you, have you heard about that or have you seen it? Never heard of it. So it's pretty much about how technology has shifted from going be, from a tool to something that can be used to manipulate people without them even knowing that they're being manipulated. Facebook and all these web-based apps and websites and gathering data and selling to, and all that. That's what it's about. Anyway, I think he was telling me that somebody on that or, or something like that, they were saying, like, what's the next thing that could happen that, that would completely um, – what's the next really bad thing given the current climate with everything? And they're like civil war. <laughs> Everyone's everyone says civil war. It's like, Oh shit. What do you think though? Do you think, I mean, I know you're not like super politically attuned, but I mean, you, I'm mean, even, even you be working in a grocery store and dealing with people with math and like, you see the, the rage. It's not just frustration. Like people get really, really angry about some really insignificant things. But part of the reason why they get angry is because it's politically motivated. It's been, it's been pushed on them like catnip, right? It's like, this is going to feed your adrenaline and your system, which is why you have people yelling at cashiers and store clerks in a grocery store for not wearing masks. It's like, this is politically motivated. Like, but you see the escalation happening, especially over the past six months or so, I mean, what what are your what are your senses of um, 
just in in the area where you live and the experiences that you've encountered of how tenuous our grasp on civility is. I'll say this. I don't think anyone has any idea what's really going on. Meaning my dude, my personal opinion and feeling is that there are people pulling strings to for there are things are people are being manipulated for a greater outcome and people don't see that because they don't they have never been they haven't been unplugged bro i keep thinking of the matrix more and more and more they haven't been unplugged and there's a quote by morpheus i can't remember exactly how it goes but yeah people people are not awake dude like it's it's just so if you okay so for example there's a photo from i think it's from maybe 19 late 1930s i don't think it was when world war ii started yet but there's a photo of a huge group of people um with their arms in the air saluting Hitler. And then there's one guy who's standing there with his arms crossed. Just like, what the fuck is going on? And everybody else have their arms in the air. And that's what I feel like is going on, where very few people are like, what the fuck is going on? And everybody else is just, they have their blinders on, and they're just regurgitating what they're being told. And they don't even know that they're being manipulated and that these ideas are being poured into their brain. They think it's their own ideas and their own opinions when, in fact, they are just being, again, manipulated and spoon-fed uh, what to say and do. I'm, I'm actually looking right now. I'm, I'm looking at some of the Morpheus quotes. I don't know if this is the one necessarily uh, that you were thinking of, uh, but it, it's, it goes something like, what you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. That there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. I don't know if that's necessarily the, the one that you were thinking of. Probably not, but... Um, it's not, but it is... I do enjoy that one a lot. Uh, but, no, the one that... I was thinking of, I pulled it up now. He says, you have to understand, most people are not ready to be unplugged, and many of them are so inert, so hopelessly dependent on the system that they will fight to protect it. That is a that is a beautiful and uh, poetic quote. You know what the irony about reading a quote from The Matrix What's is? That? Is that in, I, and I don't know if you know this, but in um, neoconservative online circles, they talk about taking the red pill. And that is basically going down the rabbit hole of, um, like, Nazi conspiracy theories and white white ring supremacy stuff. Like, like absorb, like just going down the hole and saying, "I'm going to believe everything that I go from here on forward." And uh, it it is so it is so interesting that we're we're talking about this just in a. I mean, because I I think that. You know, both those quotes, especially the one that you read, is so apropos to the the world that we're living in right now. But that's also kind of the mentality that's being used by a lot of these organizations to 
say, you need to get unplugged from mainstream society. You need to stop listening to science and facts and objective reality. You need to enter our reality. Take the red pill. Get unplugged. Get unplugged from the world. And so it's utilized in its own particular mechanism, but it's so strategic and it's so coordinated that it's uh, it's pretty remarkable to see how you can you can use it both as a tool for um, enlightenment and a, a tool for a descent into the uh, the Dante circle. Yeah, <laughs> there's a few other uh, there's a few other random quotes that I saw, but no, completely you know agree with what you say but i want to read a few and just to you can comment on them or you can just let it marinate but it says here's one of them a system cannot fail those it was never meant to protect and another one here is Mm. armies are created to protect the system not the people in the future an educated humanity will not stand for war uh but yeah dude i don't and i don't know exactly at what point that i started scratching my head and not believing everything people told me and shit like that but um in all honesty it was probably when i started like smoking weed all the time and pondering the wonders of the universe but yeah dude i just i don't i don't get how i don't know i'm very lucky that at the same time that you begin to uh, form yourself and detach yourself from other people. Like, let's just say, around, let's just say when you leave high school, you know what I'm saying? Cause when you're a teenager, you want to be a part of the group. You want to agree, you want to be liked and everything. And it's probably around the time that I was in college that I started thinking about all this stuff. But dude, there's people that live their whole life and never have their own thoughts. Just agree with whatever yep. it is that they hear or see and it's just fucking crazy how lately I just keep I, – I see the Matrix from a new angle. I'm just like, holy shit, this film's absolutely amazing. <laughs> yeah, bro. And and actually, it's so funny talking about the – by the way, Matrix fucking grade A movie. Probably – I would probably put that in my top ten, my top ten Dude. films. Such a great fucking movie. Amazing movie. Um, yeah. It's, wow. Yeah, so, but what I was going to say, though, was that the, I feel like my point of transition where I I got unplugged for the Matrix was probably in seminary when I went to Union, and it was, like, I was so concerned, even up through uh, college, trying to, you know, um, be normal and try and fit in to whatever community that I was part of. I always adjusted who I was to try and fit the circumstances. I just wanted, I wanted to be a cog. I wanted to be a wheel in the cog. Uh, and, uh, it, it just, it never worked out the way that it was supposed to. Then when I went to seminary, I was confronted with, with some of those, um, I don't want to say that I actually did have some friends who were anarchists and, one of the first people who I met where I apologized for, uh, like speaking on black liberation theology, even though I grew up in the suburbs and went to school and uh, went to college in Des Moines. And his response was, why are you apologizing? Oh yes. Your experiences are just as valid. And that was like the moment that kind of shifted everything for me where it's like, 
yeah, you know what? I mean, my experiences are just as valid as the next person. Like, am I am I fulfilling that call that I want overall to listen and to learn and to grow? Or am I just saying, oh, I just want to fit in. I just want to be a part of it. And that was a point where I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to be who I'm going to be. And it was a great experience. By the way, weed, uh, some really good weed helps open up those those internal membranes of allowing you to see things in new light and i appreciated those revelatory experiences as for well. sure just want to throw that yeah out there. now i remember for sure it would have been for me like the summer right after graduating from college because i would say for sure in high school you know you're in your own world there's no reason for me to you know try and be unplugged and then in college similar you're just going through the motion. You go to school. That's what you do after high school. You go to college after high whatever. But then it was when I was working and I was like, this is what I have to fucking do until I die is work. What is this? And it's like, this sucks. And I remember saying like it sucked and somebody was like, no, I mean, you just got to get used to it. That's what you do. You put in your 40 hours a week and you get your vacation. And I was, I just, completely disagreed and i thought for a moment am yeah. i i thought for a moment like am i does that make me lazy for not wanting to work like i i didn't really know what i was thinking but i began to feel the splinter in my mind i was just like there's got to be something else that's going on there's got to be something that i don't see what is happening and then it just unraveled from there yeah yeah and and so when you came to that point too, I feel like I feel like too. I mean, you you became a much freer person. That's part of the reason why you moved out to California. You you realized that there was more to life than just trying to get by day by day. Is like let me let me do something new. Let me let, let me utilize the full capacity that I have to create my own life and leave this whole uh, ecosystem that I have been poisoned by basically my entire life of you have to do this in that this way you know work a nine to five job go home have your 2.5 kids with your white picket fence and your wife and your dog and you know uh you're like no there's more than that and that's kind of yeah i don't know i don't know if i I don't know if that's how you felt about it but that's kind of what i witnessed in in your unplugging moments of being like fuck it i'm i'm gonna pick up move to california the whole fuck this I've however I mean it it was it did not take very long that I was able to grasp grasp what I was kind of thinking in my head so f- definitely for 10 years I've just been like fuck this I just haven't found a way to uh fully escape you know because i mean i still have this job right now which it's okay i mean it still sucks but um still kind of sucks but that's why i called off on wednesday i mean i'm off right now tuesdays thursdays and fridays and i called off wednesday because it's like fuck that like i just don't feel like going really just done with it but i'll go i'll show up you know uh but yeah, it's been a long time. And I realized one of the things that I wanted to is uh, figure out a way to uh, help people get unplugged. 
because it's crazy because then when you try and unplug him or you try and introduce an idea, you're the fucking crazy one. You know, like you're the crazy person. And then you realize that you're going up against uh, decades of indoctrination from the education system where they teach you to behave and have good, uh, you know, have good behavior and just go with the flow and not rock the boat. Play nice. Play nice. You know, separate. I'm not saying uh, by no means am I talking down on, you know educators you know teachers and people who care and try and lift people up but just the system in general is designed to domesticate you and maintain order so there there's two ironies to this is that one that uh i will say for me is the essence and core of my own christian faith it's, it's a faith of rebellion. It's a faith of breaking free of the norms and stats in order to better achieve God's will for love for all human beings, right? But we've been conditioned to be self-interested, and we've been conditioned to kind of build this hierarchy and stuff like that. So there's that component. And then on the other hand, there's the, the, the very um, – I don't know how to define it, but it's the like the white supremacy – uh, groups and these these red pill folks that you hear about in the news where it's like society is lying to you because they want to hurt you and so the best way to counter that is to be as aggressively counter to them as possible so that's like there's two ways to approach it you can approach it from kind of a revelation and it's like okay well this is the way the world works how can i best express myself through the will of god's uh love or whatever, and then there's another one saying, society is going to beat you down and has beaten you down forever, so fight back and and beat the system back. And those are kind of the two extremes, and a lot of people, I think, fall within one of those elements, and that's part of the reason why we have the world the way that it is right now, is because those are two kind of polar opposite things that we we have to deal with on a on a regular basis. Yeah, it's interesting. Everything around us is uh it's there's no you know there's no roadmap this is how you fix things <laughs> you know it's a lot of different angles and it's i don't know one day at a time yeah it's it, it's it's worth it's worth reflecting on though and exploring and i don't know i mean as long as we're willing to like listen to new ideas even if we don't agree with them just to listen i think can enlighten our world just a little bit more and i think make life a little bit easier for ourselves and those around us but eh, just my thoughts i don't know i'm a a humble man for sure i got you i do not claim to know anything no i got you but it's weird because i was thinking uh you know i'll just say this thing and we'll wrap it up but for example, when uh, – let's just take magazines, for example, how you see someone on a magazine. Wait, what are those? What? What are – Oh, what right, are yeah. I, 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 I totally <laughs> They're made of physical it's... paper. <laughs> they're, like, <laughs> they're like a newspaper article on your phone except in paper. But what I was going to say was, uh, you know, let's say you, you see someone – famous on a magazine and uh 
let's just say it's like Maxim, right? And you got a super fucking hot model on Maxim magazine, and someone can point at that and say, see, here's the problem, is that companies like Maxim are promoting uh, certain criteria, the way women should look. You know, this model is a disgrace. You know, she's pressuring, pressuring girls that they should look a certain way, blah, blah, blah. Um, bigger picture, it's like Maxim is its own entity. Like the people that work there aren't trying to convey that. They're just – they work there and they are trying to feed their families. And so there's all these like different components. Same thing with like the model. Probably a person just fell into modeling. They're not you know, trying to – say this is how you should look it's just a, it was a jo- it's a job you know what i'm saying and so there's all these different it's multi-dimensional it's not linear it's not just this one thing that you can easily point at you know companies especially you know giant fortune 500 companies are their own are their own being and just like how we have you know, blood cells, companies have employees. And if yep. you think about it, you know, the way that blood travels through your body, you know, through the heart, into the brain, whatever the case is, you know, you have highways that are like the veins. People go from their home to the company, the heart, pass through the heart, back through the veins where they came from. And it's crazy because we as people, we think we're so superior, but we are part of a bigger picture and we serve things that do not have a physical presence, but they're rather an idea, which is like super fucked up. It's just weird. It's fucked up to think about. You know what I'm saying? And – well, and and the yeah, and I'll I'll just leave it at this. I, I think that you're you're totally right. Um, and my thing, and and this is where I'll leave it on, is that yeah, I mean, we can have um, disagreements about like individuals' actions. For example, like I thought Trump was a fucking douchebag um, on the debate on Tuesday, and yet he is just one blood cell in an entire organism. You remove him, that doesn't mean... Like, you get rid of one blood cell, that's not going to change the organism. And so that, I don't know, that's that's the thing that... We, we have to realize the bigger picture. And I think that's, that's where the whole Matrix uh, comparison, I think, is so apropos. Is that once you see that it's more than just a single individual, as powerful or as influential as they may be, they're just one blood cell in the entire organism. And for us to be a little more... Uh, reflective in that is is something that I try for. Uh, I don't always succeed, but it's something that I I try to keep in mind relatively frequently. Well, with that being said, until next time. Until next time. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, 
But it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Matrix? Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. The Matrix is a system, Neo. That system is our enemy. When you're inside, you look around, what do you see? Businessmen, teachers, lawyers, carpenters, the very minds of the people we are trying to save. But until we do, these people are still a part of that system, and that makes them our enemy. You have to understand, most of these people are not ready to be unplugged. And many of them are so inert, so hopelessly dependent on the system, that they will fight to protect it. Were you listening to me, Neo? Or were you looking at the woman in the red dress? I was... Look again. Who is it? 